That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. And welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Pissarro. We got Alex Moss. We got Javier Revelo. We're here. We're getting ready for the season. As you guys know, we are like a week away from the Premier League. We are not going to do the full preview we decided to break it up into two parts we're going to talk top six on the next pod but there's a lot to talk about we're going to talk about some of the promoted teams we're going to talk about some of our mid-table teams we think can cause some damage this year we'll talk about some teams that are going to be you know we talk about it every year in the, in the Premier league there's there's so many races there's the race for the titles there's the race for champions league there's the relegation race and and now we have this very weird table where you've got basically 16 through like 12th is a race and 12th all the way up to 7th is a race but uh, be sure to follow us on social media at Ghost Gold Pod at Andrew Pissarro at ASMOS92 at JavierRev9 uh, we, we're dropping a lot of takes here and there on Twitter every day and reacting to all the latest transfer news which is coming in hot and heavy at, at the moment We've, it looks like Moise Keane from uh, Juventus is going to be joining Everton Nicholas Pepe could be potentially back. joining Arsenal Lukaku could be going to Juventus for Paolo Dybala. Bruno Fernandez could be going to Manchester United. Things are coming in hot and heavy, but we're not talking about transfers necessarily today. We're mainly going to be talking about uh, some of those mid-table teams, who's going to be trying to break into the top six, and who's going to be trying to stave off relegation. we got three new teams in the Premier League. we got Sheffield United, Norwich City, and Aston Villa are back in the top flight. So, guys, where do we want to start today? We've got three different categories. What we want to start with? Uh, what, what are we thinking first here? We can stick with the uh, mid table first. You know, somewhere near the the top of the table because you know there's some there's some uh, rockiness going on at the uh, four through six clubs in the Premier League. So there's a chance that maybe one of those teams, I'm not going to say which one, drops off, and there's an opportunity for. Someone like a Wolves or someone like Everton or Leicester to take that next step from what was all pretty good seasons last year, some better than others, um, and uh, maybe even surpass those. I'm probably going to argue that none of those teams are able to do it, but uh, with the sort of chaos or tumultuousness that Chelsea has been going through over the last three or four months, and even further than that, like it's in the back of my mind, which one of these teams should I be worried about? that causes Chelsea to fall out of the top six. So yeah, it's I, I'm leaning towards Leicester so far, just because they had such a strong end to the season uh, under, under Brendan Rodgers when he got there. And there, there's an argument to be made that there weren't really any stakes to what they were doing. They're, they're pretty firmly in mid-table at the very least, no chance for relegation battle. But they, Rodgers managed to improve them regardless. And uh, getting Yuri Tielemans signed permanently was absolutely huge for them this summer after how much he uh, lended to that. Uh, end of season push, but uh, keeping Harry Maguire is going to be even more important. Did you mention that one with the uh, possible transfer transfers you mentioned a little bit earlier? 
I did not. I did not mention uh, Harry Maguire because it's probably the biggest one. Yeah, I I would say that one. I don't know. Paulo Dybala and Bruno Fernandez coming into to Manchester United, I feel like would be huge too. But those are Hollywood Uh, signings. We've seen them. I agree with that. Yeah. I was gonna reference your tweet earlier today that that it, those guys would be good. It sounds it sounds more like it smells more like a FIFA team than it does a team that might you know could actually contend for the title. But uh, I, I love the Yuri Tillman signing. I've been big on this kid for a long time. I I'm shocked that he went to Leicester and not United. I'm I, I cannot believe that United basically watched this kid for six months ball out in the league. Could have have gotten him for forty million pounds and didn't just go in and buy him. The fact that Leicester got this is huge. This is a big testament for Brendan Rodgers. They they also bring in Perez, Ayuzu Perez from Newcastle, which not only is brings in another, you know, striker candidate from them, but also takes away a main candidate from another team that's kind I mean Newcastle's a step below Leicester, I would still say, but sure. it, it it dam- it damages a direct rival while also enhancing themselves. I-, I think Leicester's kind of the sexy pick that a lot of people think can maybe break into the top six. They're not mine, but they're still a great team, especially if we see that that, prog- that continued progression from a guy like uh, uh, Madison. The that kid he's is, huge. He's uh, absolutely a, a young player of the year candidate. But just to loop back to the Harry Maguire transfer, like it, it, it's as simple as this for me. If they hold on to him uh, at the end of the transfer window. They're undisputedly like my my pick to at least push one of the top six teams for a place uh, up there. Not that you even get anything bonus for finishing fifth or sixth, but it's still sort of like a moral victory to finish above one of those teams right now. So um, if he stays, they're by far my pick. If he leaves, uh, I, I think they you could go as far as to say that they fall apart defensively. And they could even end up maybe not in a relegation battle, but still with the threat of it coming around January or February and they have to make a, more signings in January and push forward. So it, it's, it, that's the only way I can really properly state how important Harry Maguire is uh, to Lester's overall chances before, but there are plenty of other sexy things going on with this, uh, this squad that make me really believe that they have a chance. I'm guessing one of you guys is taking wolves. <laughs> Who's it going to be? I'm taking wolves. <laughs> You know I'm big on Wolves. I was big on Wolves last year. I, th- I think I had the I had the hot take at the beginning of the season last year that Wolves were going to finish seventh. So I, I like look the biggest thing that Wolves did this year is that they didn't lose anybody. I mean, we saw guys like Raul Jimenez play well in the league. We saw guys like Ruben Neves play well in the league. Uh, we saw some of their youngsters come along towards the end of the season. They kept the core, which was a big thing. They also added, I mean, they they permanently signed Raul Neves. Uh, they bring in Dendaka on a permanent. They get a, this kid Vallejo from Real Madrid on a loan. They bring in today, or yesterday was just announced, Patrick Coutone from a Milan, who's a young Italian center forward. They bring him in. They, they're still the core of a very young team here, and this is something I was bringing up with you guys off pod. You know, this is a team last year that a good chunk of this team had zero Premier League experience, and they came in and they took the league head on, and they played well. They played well against Manchester City. They played well against United. They played well against basically everyone in the top team, in the, the, the elite, and now they find themselves in the Europa qualifying stage, and I think I would love to say if they make one more signing, I think like one more like, oh, they got that guy, like whether it's a winger or another midfielder or maybe even one more top tier or maybe another high level defender. I think we're talking about a team that maybe 
can sneak into that conversation into the top six. But Alex brought up a good point before, which is the Europa League can be an absolute drag. Almost every Premier League team that we've seen that's outside of the top six that makes it into this, whether it was like that one year that Southampton were in it or that one year that Burnley were in it. These teams like don't necessarily take it, take it, you know, full-on advantage they just boost up the squad and they try to get through it and they they're out by january but we know these wolves owners are ambitious so that's why i'm kind of surprised there haven't been more signings because i was expecting them to kind of go splash the cash in the same way that they did last year but we'll see if some of these guys that they brought in and some of them are youngsters like they've signed this one kid from psg and like i said we brought it bringing a, a young defender from real madrid Maybe they can do something, but I, I, I look at Wolves and I know at the minimum Wolves are never going to be an easy victory. It's just they have to improve that road form for those mid-table teams. They have to be able to go to Everton and win. They have to be able to go to Leicester and get a result. And now also, too, you know, the, Aston Villa and Wolves. Play, yeah, they, they also, too, they, they, they're going to have a derby in the top flight this year. They didn't have one last year because, they you know, they've they've got a rivalry with well, – they've got the Midlands back a little bit, and they've, they've got to win those games. And that's the biggest question about Wolves is can they do it? I, they're still a fun team. They're still going to be probably one of the best four-star teams in FIFA, but whether or not that, that plays out into the pitch is, is the next question. But I still like them. I, I like all the moves that they've done. They've kept the core, and – this is one of those teams that you've got the experience. Now let's move on it from let's move on it. And they've got a good manager. But outside of Rogers, Uno Espirito Santos, the best manager in the Premier League that's not coaching a, a team in the top six. Ooh. I mean, that's an interesting question. <laughs> There's arguments for Pellegrini, Rogers. It's arguments for all of those. I don't think it's as far and away as you're making it kind of sound. And I was going to say just for a little bit more about Wolves, I think the reason why they haven't made as many big signings this summer is because they had to pay for Jimenez. Uh, I think, did they... Den Donker. Den Donker. Did they make Yota permanent or was that already... Yeah. Okay, so that already that all of that was probably like almost all of their money right there. So um, I, I'm guessing that they think that, you know, like you said, they have a young squad and with that they'll be able to... to you know, just build on that this season and and hopefully they can add a little bit of depth. Um, but yeah, I think that they are they're definitely good shouts to to get that seventh spot and maybe push for top six. But I actually think that they'd have a decent chance of making a deep run in Europa. Just the only thing is is starting in like Europa qualifiers, which I think they they, they are in, right? Are they in the Europa uh, they're qualifiers? Still currently in it, yeah. Yeah. So But they're gonna I think there's one more round after the current one. Yeah, and that's just it sucks that your season starts so early and sometimes that that kind of like gives you like a we've seen it affect teams in the past. So, I, I don't think it will affect Wolves that much. I think they should be able to get past most of the Europa League opposition pretty quickly, but I wonder if not having the extra rest will matter at all. Uh the Premier League season is pretty grueling, but they have added a break this year, so that might be uh in favor of something like that. Yeah, I mean, just going off the uh the depth concerns you guys were talking about, maybe them signing one more player. I think they rode their luck a little bit in terms of the injuries last season. They, I think they had something like eight or nine players all have uh, 30 plus appearances in the Premier League, which is pretty high. So they played almost the same uh, lineup like the whole season or mostly the same players. It's, it's hard to say whether that will continue with uh, such a, a, an influx of games at like the Europa League is going to. 
prove to be, especially if they do get out of the the, the qualifying uh, the the group stage and try to actually win it, like you suggested, Javier. There's also the question of their form against the team, the league's worst teams, because they lost games to Huddersfield and Brighton last season. Um, re- really bad games where they just didn't show up and struggled to be the aggressor in those games. It was a it was a storyline we were keeping an eye on last season on the pod, but it never really came back to to uh, like s- screw them up in the long run because uh, their rivals uh, they built enough big enough of a gap on their rivals to uh, keep that seven that seventh place. They they need to sort some kind of progression of their 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 style of play out. And uh, Spirito Santo has talked about it. I haven't really watched them in preseason to know how they're uh, they're going to plan on doing that, but that's something to really keep an eye on. How do they become the aggressor and become the team that they uh, they want to be? They they have like a six year plan to win the league. They said, and they're in year two or three of that. And you know, I'm not saying whether that's viable or not, but if that's their goal, then this is the season where they've sort of cemented their place as like a top half team. They need to go on and stop being so much of like the defensive counterattacking team and learn to vacillate between that and being the, the controller of the game and, and demanding where what happens and when it happens. So I'm still concerned about that with the added Europa League thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to say they probably finish around like 10th or something, which, you know, any other club that came up from the championship, finished seventh, and got Europa League would be completely happy. It would just sort of like a stabilizing season where you reevaluate yourself and give the team time to grow. So I'm guessing that's what it's going to be. And some people may say that's a disappointing season, but I just think it's part of the, the progression of this uh, this club as a whole. Javier, uh, who did you have your eye on for uh team most likely to jump into the top six or at least challenge them? This is kind of contingent on them signing uh, Moise Keane, which seems to be likely. So I think Everton is, is going to be a challenger. Um, I expect them to, if especially if they, if they, they lost Zuma and they lost, uh, they just lost Idrissa Gay, which I think were their two best defenders last year. And I think that's a really big hole that they need to fill. But if they f- plug in that offensive hole that they've been missing now for like, you know, three years, basically since Lukaku left, um, of you know a, a strong center forward who can lead the line, uh, then it feels. I feel like you know, and, and it seems like they have money in the bank. So if they can go out in this next week or so and buy a decent center back, you know, maybe get another right back, then I could I could absolutely see them even pushing into top six, maybe even finishing above Chelsea, uh, just because I like the rest of the squad um, and I think that Silva he's made good signings wherever he's been. And if he's making the quality of signing of someone like a, uh, you know, Moise Keane, then uh, how do you say his name, Alex? Moise Kane. Moise Kane. But yeah. Closer to Harry Kane than to Keane. Right. It sounds Um, more like Kane. But yeah, if he if he if he can get get, you know, if if they can sign him, that would be a massive thing. And I think that, uh, you know, Sigurdsson feeding Richarlison and and uh, Kane what a Keen Kane, <laughs> um, Kane. Yeah, Just I think Harry Kane. Yeah, I think he'll. Uh, I think it'll be absolutely lethal. And he's still really raw, though. Is my one thing. Like he's not. The, he's not the finished product yet. He has all the talent in the world. Has scored in big games for Juventus, which is, makes me wonder why Juventus are opening to signing him to selling him. But look, he's a really good player. I really don't like seeing him go to Everton. I like the Andre Gomes signing him on a permanent from Barcelona, but. 
I, the reason I don't believe in Everton outside of the fact that it's been since 1995 since they won a trophy, people forget that, um, is honestly it is selling Idrissa Gay. Idrissa Gay might have been the one of the best is is in the hand is in the top three of midfielders that are the best midfielders that are not on a top six team. One of those players that probably could have gotten signed by Manchester United and walked into the starting lineup could have probably gotten signed by an Arsenal and walked into the midfield. He's he's one of those midfielders who's all over the place. Well, I mean. He's he not basically Yolo, he's, did that. He, he went to PSG. Yeah, I was gonna say I would have right, loved him, exactly. but like he went to PSG, so like I don't think any of those teams could have really baited him. I'm pretty sure he's getting paid like a ridiculous amount of money, you know. United could have paid that. United definitely could have paid that. Like he doesn't have he doesn't have something on his resume to say pay me two hundred fifty thousand pounds like Ander Herrera has. You know what I mean? Like yeah, but he's a normal person that wants to make the next step and go play oh, Champions League. So that would make sense I, why he would I pick agree. PSG. They also have a very big hole there. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I, I But I, I think losing him is going to be something that is tougher to replace than just Andre Gomes and Fabian Delph. Uh, that's that's my big assessment of, of Everton. It's that protection in front of the back line, especially with losing Zuma. But it, you're right. The possibility is there, and they've also been they've also been chasing down Zaha as well. Apparently, from Crystal Palace, there I saw a rumor online from a pretty reliable reporter who said that they offered them fifty million in a couple players, which at the time Crystal Palace had turned down. But this, I think, Palace are crazy. By be, the way, I, like they think Zaha is just like worth an absurd well, amount they know of money, how, but I don't think. They know how valuable he is to them, so they're not gonna undercut him. You know what I mean? It's it's you're gonna if you're in a position, you're in the position where they are, where he's he's their player. They're not trying to sell him. Then they have the ability to say, "This is what we want for him." If you don't want to meet that, we don't have to do it. It's the same thing that Leicester are doing with Harry Maguire. I mean, it's even more simple when you consider the fact that every Premier League team basically gets a hundred and thirty million from the league, from the broadcast deal, every season. You stay in the Premier League, you're guaranteed to get like something around 130, upwards of 140 to 45. Obviously, Wilfred Zaha is not worth 140 million, but if they sell him, they it's very likely that they are automatically one of the favorites to get relegated. If they don't have him and they can't sign a replacement in seven to ten days or however long we have until the end of the transfer window. Uh, him going to Everton would be, I mean, that would be huge. I would probably uh, I would probably even give them a chance. I, I, I may even flip my pick. I don't know. But uh, the, the, yeah. uh, the argument against Leicester, if they lost someone like Harry Kane, that, I think that stands just as equal to Everton actually losing Gay and uh, – and uh, Zuma, because Zuma was not only their best defender, he was just their most consistent one. Like Michael Keane, they spent $30 million or something on him from Burnley, and he's never been able to put together a consistent 10-game run. He's had spurts here and there. But uh, Yerry Mina is a injury nightmare. They've brought Mason Holgate back from loan, and he can play at right back or center back. I'm guessing they make another move to shore up that position before the end of the, the transfer window, so this shouldn't be that big of a, uh, a concern. But... Uh, overall, the Marco Silva teams, I, I've been impressed with them at times, but the, the consistency has never been there. And, you know, it, it's. They went on a really good run the at case. the end of the season last year as well. They, they sure, beat a bunch yeah, of good teams, did. and they were they really did, hard to like, beat. They, just like Leicester did. did. I, there's, a, there's an argument. I think that, that was the last point them. Liverpool dropped, right? Was against Everton? Uh, Might have been. No. Um, no, because. No, I think it was the West Ham. The West Ham draw was the last okay. one, I think. 
because it was the Leicester one and then that. Maybe maybe it was Everton. I don't remember, but uh, I just remember them being on a really good run where they beat us. They beat Chelsea. I think they drew you guys. They like. But the the run that really worries me is when we got a small look at Everton without Gay last season. It was for three games or something in December, and they conceded eleven goals in those three games, and that culminated yep. in the six two loss to Tottenham. I think on Boxing Day, it was a terrible run. I mean, and, you have to think uh, that if they lose they a player that back, big, they're gonna they're like they're gonna go replace him. Uh, yeah, they, they replaced him with Fabian Delph, who I mean, he's a good player, but. He's no Idrissi like Gay. He's no Idrissi Gay. That's, no, he's not. Um, uh, Apparently, they're looking in the France for for like you know N'Golo Conte type to to take from who the team. <laughs> who isn't? Who yeah, isn't? Ever since Leicester plucked seriously. him out. Name me a club that teams isn't. in France are looking for another N'Golo Conte. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, all right. So other teams that we kind of had slated into this run include West Ham, Watford, and Bournemouth. We, I, I would agree that all three of them are probably. They're not really going to get sucked into that relegation race, but they're not really... I don't see any of them really having enough firepower to get them and a good enough defense to get themselves into that next rung. We talked about West Ham I, last week with some of the signings that they said. They, 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 they're going to be fun to watch, but they're also porous in defense. I maintain that West Ham are one uh, boneheaded mistake from their one of their owners away from being forced into a relegation battle. You know, you, if you're paying close attention to European soccer news at the, at the minute, you'll see that there's a big sh- thing going on at Valencia where the owner fired their general manager or their director of football, who's basically been doing a great job getting Valencia back to the upper end of the table in La Liga. But it, their manager is threatened to quit now because of that, because they were formed a great team. I'm not saying that there's anything in the works like that at West Ham, but West Ham are quietly just as, if not more, dysfunctional of a London club than we are. <laughs> so things are going fine right now and things seem all clear, but I always have in the back of my mind that they could go wrong at West Ham. Yeah, and I think with West Ham specifically, uh, like, how their problems with the back line and they went and just dropped, like, you know, 80 million on, on you know, two attacking players. So. I mean, you got to think like Everton that they're just trying to wrap up the attacking signings first, and then they're gonna, you know, they're gonna get a, a center back and a, and like maybe a defensive midfielder in. But yeah, it just feels like they're they're leaving that till till later, and their priority has definitely been on on attack. But hey, Arsenal kind of too. So we still haven't signed any defenders, and we definitely need, you know have priority in backline in our backline. So there's still a week left. But if they do sign a couple, you know, good defensive minded players, I think they'll be a threat. I think that they they could also be like a dark horse pick to get you know the seventh or or, or sixth, um, probably not sixth but maybe seventh. Um, so we all remember the Dimitri Payet season. They pushed top four that year. It was a different league then. Yeah, but did. I mean, it's 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 not too uncommon to see a team that isn't like one of. The I mean, Holland and Fornals. Those two season. signings are fantastic. I think both of them will be very good in the Premier League. I think Holler, I mean, I think he'll hit the ground running. I just think like being a big physical striker like he is and, you know, coming off the season he did in Germany um, as well as Europa League, I think. Yeah, I think he'll he'll get maybe 12, 13 goals for West Ham this season. And then Fornals, I, I don't know if it's because Lanzini's been so injury prone, but it kind of feels like they maybe already had a player like that. But you know, I think he brings more to the table than Lanzini, and he's yeah. I think for the price they got him, he's people are going to be like, "Wow, that was a bargain at the end of the season." 
So uh, for for Hala, I just want to see Hala uh, play by himself up top. I, I mean, I don't know if that's definitely what they're going to go with. It seemed like that's what uh, Pellegrini preferred last year. Um, but he his greatest quality is that he's an ex- excellent uh, forward in a front too. But him and Jovic formed one of the deadliest partnerships in, in the Bundesliga and in all of Europe last season. And he was a big reason why Jovic uh, had uh, as many distractions in the in the back line uh, to take advantage of uh, that led to his goals. So, yeah, I mean, there's the potential for like Chicharito to play next to him. I feel like that could be a really nice partnership too, but it's... It's all up to Pellegrini. There's still rumors that there's still rumors that Chicharito could leave with a like potentially go play on the continent. He doesn't think MLS is ready. He's not ready for MLS just yet. But Were you about to say he doesn't think going. MLS is ready for him yet? Uh, yeah, I don't think they are. I think he's afraid of Zlatan. Ready. To be honest, they're not ready for the force that is Chicharito. No. Also, he's he probably won't even be the best Mexican player in in MLS because Carlos Vela is balling out over at LAFC right now. Look, I don't think Bournemouth did enough. I like the Lloyd Kelly signing for the sole yeah. fact that I kind of wanted him to come to Liverpool. But it's a nice uh, one. Oh, yeah, that would have been great yeah, but, for you guys. He just would have been happy yeah, we were to linked be like, to him. I'll play the cup games and low-end right. Premier League We games. were linked to him, and then Bournemouth came in and was like, you want to start? And he was like, okay. But hey, I mean, we can't all Bournemouth, be Bournemouth uh, just have to get the, the Bournemouth got the best of the signing of the window. They bought... The god of midfield, Philip Billing, six six. He's an absolute unit. He's what I've I've just I've always creamed to Alex that I think Billing is just one of those players that like like Robertson, where I think he just belongs on a better team. And I'm glad that now he's on Bournemouth. Like this is a good a good like previously of Huddersfield. Yeah, previously of Huddersfield. I think now this is going to be a good level for him. Where you know if if he's actually as good as I think he is, then he'll look good even on this Bournemouth team. And then. In a, a couple of years, I think someone could come in from. He's still really young. He's like 22, he's 23. 23. Yeah, just turned 23 in but, June. But you know, again, in two or three years, he'll be 26. He he could still be good enough to make it on a big team. But I I just I love that signing for Bournemouth. I think it's exactly the type of player they need. Uh, I think they needed some physicality in the midfield. Um, and this him is, and Lerma is yeah, nice. That's fantastic. Ironclad midfield. So I think if they hold on to Lerma, who apparently has been clamoring that he had promises that he was able to leave but i think they're gonna keep him you know uh they'll probably just tell him to shut up and, and keep him but yeah I, I i like the way they're gonna sort I, they're I, gonna sort those injuries out yeah i no like wilson or frazier yeah. for long periods last year it's they, they need those yep. to uh i don't even know what their goals are for this season i guess stay mid table yeah, i think it's always just to stay up yeah i think they always just want to stay up make they sure they get need, 40 they, points if they want to do anything if they want to do anything, they need Slanke to, to score goals for them. But, I mean, who knows if that's ever going to actually happen. Both Alex and I are still waiting for him to score ah, goals. And the the next games. generation Welbeck, Dominic Solanke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Watford, who haven't made any, like, huge signings. There's Craig Dawson about- of West Brom. Eh. That's not huge to you? That's such a Watford signing. It's like, oh, we need another, we need another Craig a- Cathcart. Let's go get uh, what's his name Dawson. I just said his name, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, they haven't made any major signings. They they've no, been linked to a few players, this, but to be decided. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, that's why I'm just kind of like, okay, guys. Well, okay, if they go get Ismail Asar from uh, Rent, then I think they'll they'll be in a good position to 
they won't there won't be an LA relegation trouble at all and he'll be a, a good enough player where offensively it'll give them the firepower they need I think it is a little worrying that they you know they're, they're still not going and splashing cash they have to have some sort of money somewhere I can't believe that they're just paying all their players really high wages Richarlison yeah, they got like. 40 That's what I'm saying. They got to go spend some of this money because um, right now I'm not I'm not believing too much in them either. So, but they're they're going with this, a similar model to Bournemouth, you know, kind of mining the the best of the championship, figuring out which of those young players. I mean, if are they go spend 30, 30 million pounds step. on Sar, then. I mean that that's a player that you know he could be good good for them for a few years and then they could go and sell him for seventy or eighty million. So for sure, and I'm saying that they I'm guessing they could afford him um, at the right price. I, I doubt they want to get uh, fleeced or anything like that. But they have been spending money the last couple of years. It's just been in small little chunks, but it adds up obviously. So like getting like Will Hughes and Nathaniel Chalaba, not for big sums of money, but. Uh, Andre Gray, too. Andre Gray, yeah. They make small, kind of innocuous signings that you don't really think about as uh, like making a splash in the Premier League. But then those players start popping up at different times of the season. And they have a. That last season was probably their best season in the Premier League since they came back up. They wore the yep. best of the rest for a period of time until they started their deep FA Cup run and eventually got to the final. And once they realized they were in the final, they eased off the gas and fell out of the, the seventh place race. And ended up in eleventh when they lost to West Ham on the last day. So uh, I, I doubt they make another FA Cup run. I doubt they really care too much after doing it last year. So yeah, who knows how that affects their season? But they're they're too they're too, uh, <laughs> they're too uh, inconsistent to really really predict. You know, it's 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 a tough one. Didn't you have them be getting relegated last year, Andrew? Yeah, I, I, I don't even fault you for that. Like that that's not completely unrealistic. It was a pretty hard miss, but at the same time, it was I mean, probably I as hard as my uh, my right. Fulham dark horse for like the top seven miss. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> it was yeah. it was definitely a, a better miss than my Alexis Sanchez for Player of the Year. Oh so, Jesus! Yeah. Oh, it's not, yeah. It's not. I'm surprised you brought that up willingly. Hey man, I just want to make right, you that, feel better. That, that, I, I'm fine, man. Uh, that brings us over to the relegation battle teams. We got Crystal Palace, Newcastle, Burnley, Southampton, Brighton, and Hove. That's one team, folks. Nor- Norwich City, Sheffield United, and Aston Villa. Um, I'm not going to whip through every single one of these, but we'll kind of hit on a bunch of them when we get to our next little question. Who do you guys think is going to straight up avoid the battle from these teams? Uh, I'll throw to you first, Alex. I'm a big believer in Ralph Hasenhutl. I'm a big yeah. believer in the Alpine Klopp. Just the manner of which he turned things around for Southampton so quickly after I lambasted them pretty badly uh, last summer for making Mark Hughes the permanent manager at the beginning of the season. That was just unforgivable for me, and I'd even pick them to get relegated because I was just it, it was just crazy to me that someone would hire Mark Hughes at this day and age, ten years after his last like really successful stint as a manager. Um, at Blackburn. Uh, but they did it. They uh, almost paid for it. They brought in Hasselhuttle around uh, December. The first two or three games, they didn't really turn things around until they got the win over Arsenal and went to Stamford Bridge and got uh, a draw. Uh, they, uh, I think they beat Tottenham after that. Maybe it was it Tottenham at home. They, they, they had a couple of wins against top six sides. But overall, their, their, their form and just the vigor in which they played just improved dramatically. They all of a sudden went from a super negative team uh, from uh, when Claude Puel was the manager there and Pellegrino and Mark Hughes 
they went from a super defensive team that wouldn't get five or six players across midfield to a team that pressed high in anything between a 4-4-2 or a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-3. And now he's tasked with the, the job of, with very little money for signings, continuing to grow this team much in the similar way that I mentioned for Wolves earlier, where they need to get better on the ball, get better being the aggressor. Cause that's the way Hassan Hurdle wants to play. It's the way he played at uh, RB Leipzig for two seasons. Um, and he's, he's going to want to get Southampton back to, if not the seventh or eighth play finish they had a couple seasons ago. Uh, when uh, I think it was, was that, Pel- uh, was that Pochettino? They it, might, finished. it might've been Poch. Yeah. Pochettino got them eighth place. I don't, they're obviously that's way too uh, far outside of their their reach uh, for for right now. But I think mid table, maybe eleventh, twelfth. I, I think that's that's something they can achieve. And for a club that for the last two or even three seasons has been kind of uh, dragged into the relegation battles for the last couple of weeks of the season, that that would be a very welcome uh, step in the right direction for them. I don't hate the pick, Alex. I just, I, I will say Mario Lamina did tweet out a, a highlight tape of himself in hopes of getting sold this year. They they didn't have Mario Lamina for the majority of the run of the season where they were playing well. Uh, That's fair. Oriel Romeo, That's just an Pierre-Emil Hoiberg was playing exceptionally well. James Ward-Prowse really uh, grew into the promise that a lot of people had for him for the past couple of seasons. Those, those players that... You know they're not grabbing any headlines if they uh, pop up in transfer rumors or anything, but they're they're impact players in it for a club like Southampton, and there's something that in the water that Hassel Huddle's giving them that just makes them play outside themselves. So uh, I'm, that's called steroids. yeah. I mean that's, that's, that's a illegal. that's a good pick. Uh, I I, just, I feel like they got to make they got they're gonna have to make some signings because I I think they're gonna be right in the thick of the relegation battle. I think they're gonna be you know neck to neck, and I think. 16th 15th i can't see them finishing above you know those see to me there's there's five maybe even six teams that are clearly worse than them i won't name them all now i'll just pick them in the relegation uh (laughs) predictions uh thing but yeah i think southampton for like the trajectory they're on they're trending upwards it's no longer a club that's on the verge of being relegated like a stoke or someone like that all right, Javier, what you got for me? Uh, my team, similar to the same reasons that Alex did, um, I've got Burnley. Uh, I think that this year them not having Europa, uh, not having you know, uh, you know, just a much having a a, a more cohesive squad. They're not going to have the injuries. They're not going to have you know the same wear and tear that they did last year. And you know, I really like Son Dyche as a coach, and I think you know he's you know. St- punching below his or like above his weight you know at Burnley and could easily be at a at at another club at a bigger club um and yeah I just think that they're defensively super solid and they're always going to be really hard to beat at home and they haven't really lost any key players um and it feels like he always goes and signs you know these value picks that you don't really know but end up being really good um and yeah, I just I have a lot of faith in Sean Dyche and his project that he's been doing at Burnley, and I think that they're going to be, uh, you know, not near that relegation zone this year. Uh, it's always a solid pick. Somebody always picks Burnley. I feel like one of us always ends up picking Burnley to get relegated, and somebody always picks them to be not in the relegation race. It's they're just one of those. But uh, yeah, Sean Dyche is there. The definition of 
this is not going to be an easy one, and they're not necessarily going to be the most fun to watch. They did sign Jay Rodriguez from uh, West Brom, bringing him back to the Premier League. I feel like he's been all over the place with those 12 to teams that finish 12th and below, but that's not a bad one. I'm going to take, uh, I'm actually going to take one of the promoted teams. I'm going to take Norwich. They've made a ton of signings on, onto this team that uh, won the championship last year. Um, and they went, they went big into the Bundesliga and signed a bunch of guys that are, are I think are pretty talented. And they also went and grabbed that kid, Patrick Roberts from Manchester city who on loan, who's like Manchester city has been just farming out to a variety of teams forever. And let's see if he actually has a shot of being a decent Premier league player. I don't think he's really ever going to break through at city, but uh, they go grab Dermich from Bruce Munch and Gladbach who plays in the Swiss national team. Uh, they grab Farman from Schalke to play. I think that, that, that's Dermich. a big signing. He's a very good goalie. He's a, He's a solid goalie. Uh, they grab a couple guys from the Scottish League, like three guys from the Scottish League. Look, like this is, I think they have enough that maybe that they can finish in that 13th, 14th range. You know what I mean? I don't think that they're, you know, out of relegation, safe before the end of the season. But they're, I don't think that they're, I think they might be able to surprise a couple teams. Uh, my my question on them is more how's the defense and and what's the creativity in terms of goals going to be but based on what they have there's some pieces there that makes me think that they might actually be able to do something uh, i i hope that mosala though can pick up where luis suarez left of firmly owning norwich city and just scoring golasso after golasso after golasso against them I, i'm not going to criticize you for saying that because they are your first game of the season and it is at home so i do expect you to absolutely run rampant on them but if it was later in the season uh i would say this norwich team is nothing like the norwich teams that came up in the past and uh spoiler alert uh none of us have them in our uh, in our bottom three and that's for pretty good reason the uh not only did they win the championship last year they absolutely walked it and they played some of the best football you'll, you'll see in the championship and scored some beautiful goals. And I, I mean, I can remember as far back as two years ago when Farka, their uh, their head coach, was, I, I think it was first year in the job. We drew them in the in the, the FA Cup. It took us a replay. We got like a nil-nil draw there at Norwich and then we had to win a replay to uh, or at the bridge and go to penalties or something just to get past them. And they, they've really progressed in the way that I mentioned earlier for Wolves and mm. Southampton, where they went from being a defensive low block team when he first came to, to the club to last season transferring into this counterattacking offensive uh, juggernaut that's capable of still doing the defensive shifts and getting results against better teams. But they're equally comfortable on the ball, uh, dominating play when they're playing against someone of similar uh, quality to them. So uh, there's there's a lot of players uh, and young players too to say to keep an eye on. Uh, most namely, I'm going to say uh, Emi Buendia, the uh, Argentine winger. I think he's Argentine, 22 years old. They all swear by him. They think there's not a doubt in their minds that he's going to be one of the like surprise factors in the Premier League this season. That People should sign for their fantasy teams and all that, all that fun stuff. But yeah, the the, the Dortmund connection that Farker brings uh, has also been very beneficial. I think they have like five players who used to play for Dortmund uh, in in their squad right now. So 
I'm, I'm pretty confident. That's why I'm getting everything out now, because I won't have a chance to talk about them when we get to the relegation picks. Let's, let's get to those relegation picks right now. Um, I'll go first. Uh, I'm going to take Sheffield to, to go right back down. Well, we, we all have Sheffield. <laughs> we all have Sheffield. They're the card really, this season. I really don't like what Brighton did. They finished the season really poorly last year. They uh, they let Chris Hewton go, which I think was probably the right move. He'll be back in football soon enough, but uh, he's gone. I don't like the moves that they made last year. I don't really like any of the moves that they've made this year. And then uh, the other one is Newcastle, who surprisingly did spend big this year for them. They broke their transfer window again. They, they their budget again. Uh, they signed a, we talked about it on the last pod. They made a 40 million pounds sound, uh, you know, signing a striker, but they lost Solomon Rondon. They lost Rafa Benitez and they're bringing in Steve Bruce. And I don't like Steve Bruce's style of play in the Premier League. I don't think he's going to be able to get out of these Newcastle players, what Rafa did. And it's a real shame because, We've talked about it all the time. Like Newcastle is one of those teams and one of those cities, which is just great for the Premier League. There's so much history there. There's great fans there. Uh, I have them going right back down because there's no leadership, and this is 100% Mike Ashley, who's had this team on. The, he's been quote unquote selling this team. I feel like forever. Just needs to sell the team and let somebody come in and and run this team the way that they deserve to be run. But I, I feel like he's not going to get that this year, and they're going back down. Yeah, I mean the Joe Ellington transfer. The the, the biggest thing I took away from it is that uh, Mike Ashley just wanted to have something to point to when the fans continue to come for his throat at games. There's been always there's been boycotts for years going on there. Boycotts of his Sports Direct products, the company, uh, the sports apparel company he owns. Um, they hate him, and for pretty good reason. Despite them being now kind of a, an established Premier League team again, uh, that's how much Rafa Benitez meant to them. And I mean, everything that I had to say about Mark Hughes uh, just a few minutes ago for Southampton, I have the same to say about Steve Bruce. I've always thought that. Not always, but for the last couple of years, he's basically a dinosaur in, in, in the game now. He was a solid manager of mid-table to lower-end sides 10 to not, – maybe not even 10, five years ago. He was still uh, a, a good asset to have at the head of your club to keep you up. But I, I, the game somewhat passed him by. And uh, we're going to talk about Aston Villa in a second here. But he was the manager of Aston Villa to start last season. He got them to the playoff the season before, and they were upset by, I believe, uh, Middlesbrough or Fulham. Or no, they sorry, they beat Middlesbrough and then were upset by Fulham in the playoff final. And then they started terribly last season, and he was fired. And it was uh, Dean Smith. Dean Smith, right? He came in mid-season, turned their season around. Had them playing a similar style of football, but adapting it to a more uh, modern game where Bruce just seemed to throw 10 men behind the ball and just hope for the best from a set piece or a counterattack. There wasn't any sort of well thought out plan as to how their team was going to take control of games and, and, and win games. And at Newcastle, um, th- those expectations, I think, are still going to be there to stay up in the league. But as soon as things start to go wrong, he's uh, he's his head's going to be on the chopping block, I, I imagine. And I, I don't know if there, I, there's no guarantee that they get someone like a Hassan Huddle in midseason to really turn it around like Southampton were able to do. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're they're doomed to go back down. Javier, is there any way you think they stay up? 
Newcastle? No. Uh, not really. Yeah, I've got them. I've I've got the same picks as Andrew. I have uh, Sheffield, Newcastle, and Brighton as well. I think that the only one out of those three that may have a chance of staying up is Brighton, uh, just because the season before. It seemed like at home uh, they were very good and they were more of an attacking team. And it seems like last year they kind of lost that identity. They had a huge trouble scoring goals. So I think that had something to do with the manager. And I think that, you know, having a fresh set of ideas and, and, you know, maybe a couple new attacking players that they can, you know, maybe bring in. Um, I think I think that they maybe can can make a push to to you know not be in that relegation battle, especially if they are able to keep Dunk, you know Lewis Dunk, who is rumored to. If Leicester do get Maguire, then they're going to make a, a forty million pound move for Dunk. Which, if that happens, then I I, just, I cannot see Brighton staying up. So I'm not optimistic about either of those three teams in terms of Sheffield United. I mean. They're just, you know, they've always been a pinball machine. You know, when they've come up in the Premier League, they've gone straight back down usually. So they haven't uh, been in the league for ten years. Yeah, it's yeah, been they a went while. Straight back but, down last time. Yeah, they don't seem like a team that belongs in the Premier League. But hey, maybe they'll surprise and and uh, yeah, it's you, you never know with these teams that are coming up because a lot of the players are you know relatively unknown or young, but. It seems like with Sheffield, they, they just got a lot of veterans. They've got some uh, some older players that have been around the championship for a while, and yeah, they just aren't really the cut for the Premier League. So I, it's just whenever you see those teams come up, you always think to yourself, yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be rough for them. So yeah, I'm happy you brought up Sheffield. I know we're all picking them to go down, and no one's really giving them much of a chance, but. I think they deserve at least a mention that this seems like a bit too much too soon for them. They've had two promotions in three seasons, I believe. So three or four years ago, they were down in League One and like losing to teams like Gillingham. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's a huge step for them. It probably would have been better for them long term if they stayed in the championship for maybe another season and allowed themselves as a team to grow a bit more. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, their manager, Chris Wilder, was kept despite them getting relegated this season, uh, allowed to build the team for a season or two like uh, Sean Dyche did at Burnley when they came up in 2014 and then again two or three years later. And the next time they're in the Premier League, you wouldn't be surprised to see them be uh, much more experienced and well able to take the, the, the jump in, in class. Um a ton of Irish players on uh, on Sheffield United, so I'll have I'll have an eye on them this season. I'll I'll be your uh, Sheffield United uh, correspondent throughout the season, guys. Good luck. <laughs> hey, they're they're actually interesting. They're fun to watch. They're not a park the bus team, so uh, I will have fun. So yeah, I agree with you guys that Sheffield and Newcastle I have as my but basically locks to go down, and then the, the third team was really difficult for me because based off of the form at the end of last season i understand why people would want to pick brighton and there is a a big uh leap for them to make under graham potter their their new manager where they're going to try and shift to becoming a more attacking team than they were under hewton but i still think aston villa uh there's just too much turnover there and i i like dean smith he's a decent manager but I also wouldn't be surprised if he was gone by Christmas or, you know, so it's tough for me because John Terry is an assistant there. 
they usually loan Chelsea players, and I, I like to watch Aston Villa. And it's going to be a tough away game for any club. They have one of the bigger stadiums in the league. But yeah, they, I, I have a similar thought to them that I had for Fulham last year, where you know they've got plenty of quality and they've made plenty of relatively big money signings compared to their their other promotion uh, rivals. But uh, I think we mentioned it before that something like seven of their players are, uh, or I think six of their their starting lineup from the championship final were loaned players. uh, And I think only one of them is still there, Mings. Um, They they made El Ghazi uh, permanent, I believe, but he's 34. So I don't know how how much he's going to contribute. I don't know if he's that old. He's 34. I just checked. Yeah. He's been around for a while, man. He played at Wigan like 10 years ago. Um, yeah, the Wesley signing is interesting for them, but no, 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 no. Anwar Al Ghazi, the one that Ton Aston Villa is twenty four. Am I thinking of El Mohammadi? That's who I'm thinking of. The, yes, the other the yes. Egyptian. Yeah, El Ghazi yeah. being. Uh, I also was like about to look that up too. That's because uh, he doesn't. He yeah, doesn't El look Mahamadi, like he's thirty four. <laughs> right. What is it about Aston Villa that you guys really like that you're like sure they're going to stay up above? I mean, I actually like the El Ghazi signing, number one. Uh, Number two, I I really like the the Douglas Louise signing from Manchester City, uh, as well as the Wesley signing from Club Bruges, who is a player that I've had my eye on for about a couple of years now. Um, and just thinking that he was going to make the jump to, to one of the big leagues soon. And I'm glad that he's getting the chance on Villa. I think he's going to be a pretty big hit. Um, I think that, you know, he could, again, he could get like a 12 or 13 goals um, type season, which would absolutely keep them up if he had that type of season. That would be impressive. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's just a big talent. And Jack Grealish, he's already a known player. You know, Premier League quantity player, like he could easily be on a on a Premier League team and be be a good enough player there. So him being the captain and and leading them, I I just think that this time around, you know, it's kind of it's his team sort of, sort of, and yeah, it feels like as long as he's in place and he stays healthy, that they won't they won't have too much trouble. I think they'll be really hard to beat at home, and I think away from home they'll they'll get wins against you know fellow relegation strugglers. I I don't love them. But I'll, I think they have enough to stay up, especially when it comes to firepower. They're not great, but I really don't like the other three teams I named. I have a feeling that Aston Villa are going to be one of those teams that's right there at the bottom of the barrel. And the question for me I have about Villa is, are they going to fire Dean Smith when they need to? And are they going to hire the right manager? Because Aston Villa is a big, you know, has the reputation of being a big enough club in England. If their owners decide they want to be ambitious, that the mm-hmm. right manager could, that if he's available, could take that job. Let me reframe the argument just for one second. I guess I approach this as are Brighton going to go down? I was thinking it from the Brighton standpoint. Are Brighton going to go down? And I thought to myself, are there three teams that are worse than Brighton? And those three teams all came to mind. And the reason I, I, I'm so uh, I'm so sure of that is because Chris Hewton wasn't fired for the results in the Premier League. He kept them in the league. That was his job. He was fired for not getting the best out of the attacking signings that they made. The first season, they got huge... Uh, uh, stats from Pascal Gross and uh, Jose Izquierdo, and those players were a big factor for them. Those players were injured or out of form for most of last season, and Davy Proper as well in midfield. I, I just think that like 
Graham Potter is a bit better suited to get the best out of those attacking players rather than having them play deep in their own half, like defending with 10 men behind the ball. You know, their their record signing, Jahan Bakash, was playing like basically a left back last time. And when you go from playing in Holland to being and being like a, a almost a center forward for a Dutch team to coming to England and you never have the ball, that's a huge adjustment to make. And, you know, there's questions surrounding whether they're going to be able to successfully do that. But, uh, I think they have more of the players and more of like the infrastructure and set up to stay in the Premier League than Aston Villa have to catch up to them. That was how I approached it. But yeah, I mean, it will be really interesting to see. I'm hoping for the best for Aston Villa. I wouldn't be too mad if they stayed up and Brighton went back down because like you said, Villa are a, they're a bigger club if you think about it in terms of like long-term history. So yeah, uh, they belong in the Premier League. That's why I think they'll stay up because they're a historic Premier League club. And I think that, like you said, they have, they have a big stadium. I think it's like 45 or 46,000. So it's just, it it feels like they deserve to be in the Premier League and they're investing a lot of money to do, to stay up. And, um, you know, their owners historically in the past, I mean, this was a team that was like, you know, pushing that sixth, seventh, eighth spot, you know, for, for, you know, much of the 2000s. Won the European Cup. Yeah, very historic they club. Like and I just, I don't know, I like having them in the Premier League. And I like to believe that their management knows enough, you know, has been here so many times before, which is the reason why I think a team like Brighton, like Sheffield. They've got a new, they've got a new owner, though, from like last year. Okay. I just, you know, I, I, I just think there's probably still people at the club that were there when they were, you know, in the Premier League. And I think that it's going to, yeah, it, that, that's going to be in a, a small factor, but something that might be able to push them over the line, the extra couple points they need. So, All right. Well, that wraps up our uh, looks around the, the non-top six teams in the table. Uh, coming next week, at some point, we'll do the, we'll do the hard questions where we uh, do our top four teams. We'll do our, to- our teams likely to fall out of the top six. Who will get one in the league? Golden Boot, Young Player of the Year, Player of the Year, the whole nine yards uh, as we wrap up. Yeah, and week one. So look out for that. Uh, Follow us on social at Andrew Passaro, at ASMOS92, at JavierRev9, at GhostGoalPod. And until next time, Hey guys, Alex here. Just wanted to take a second before we finish this week's episode to let you guys know that the Ghost Goal Podcast Fan League is now reactivated on fantasy.premierleague.com. If you uh, are part of the league from last year or the year before, go ahead and create your team before the first game kicks off next week on a Friday afternoon. And uh, if you haven't been a part of the league, go check it out, create an account, create your team using a pre-established $100 salary that you're given and enter the code DMVNZ0 to join the league. Uh, Again, that's DMVNZ0. If you didn't catch that, I'll post it on uh, all of our social media at Ghost Goal Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and uh, try and get the league back up to the 30 plus contestants we had last year. And a special shout out to... uh, Um, One of my former roommates and uh, a Liverpool fan and friend of uh, Andrew's, uh, Mike Grant, for winning the league last year. Uh, He absolutely walked it. So uh, shout out to him. I'm looking forward to trying to come back and finish above Javier for the first time in a a couple of years. So uh, those are my goals. Join us in the league. And uh, thanks again.